Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Let's get right in. We talked on the last podcast about um, the bewares of Jesus, and there's really uh, two main bewares that Jesus gives. The first is the uh, he says it five, six times to the Gospels, but he says, beware of hypocrites, beware of the Pharisees, beware. He's talking about people groups to beware of, people who say one thing and, and do another and beware of false doctrines along with that, right? Those people that, that are hypocrites and say one thing and do another, and then the false doctrines that go along with those people. And so we talked about that in the last one. But I want to read from Luke chapter 12, and this is the other beware. Um, and really an awesome lesson. These are uh, things that God wants to teach us by His Word. You know, many people come to wisdom through great error and great loss. Many people get to the end of their life and say, man, I wish I would have done this. Or they get to the end of their marriage and say, man, I wish I would have been faithful. Or they get to the end of their their um, their health and they say, man, I wish I would have done this differently. And so their wisdom that they gain is from the mistakes that they make. But God wants to give us his wisdom before it's too late because the problem is for many people who've stood before God and uh, or for many people whose life has come to an end and they've and they've descended into a lost eternity, that saying is there in their heart, man, I wish I would have. I wish I would have listened to my parents. I wish I would have gone to church. I wish I would have, even just on an Easter Sunday, that one day when I woke up and I was feeling nostalgic about my childhood and thought maybe I'd go to church and instead I went on the boat. Maybe I, I wish I would have. And so God's wisdom is here to give us wisdom to know what to do in advance. And the wisdom comes through the word. So let's look at the wisdom of Jesus. When Jesus says, beware of something, especially only if he says it a few times, let's pay attention. Luke 12, 15. And he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. And he spoke a parable unto them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many much goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, You fool, this night shall your soul be required of you. Then whose shall these things be which you have provided? So is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. There's so much packed into this that we're going to unpack it a little bit here. But you know, it's a precept of man and it's not a precept of God. It's it's a wisdom of man to go after and make your number one uh, goal in life to be a success. You know, that was being in sales for 10, 12 years. You hear that word uh, thrown around. Oh, you know, we got to be successful. But you have to, first of all, define what success is for you. What is success? The Bible says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his own soul? So I look at people like, um, uh, who is the guy who, the Apple guy, um, not Bill Gates, the other guy. I look at him And I think to myself, man, he died at 50-something. People would look and say he left a legacy, but he, he died a Buddhist. And so what does it profit a man to gain the whole world to lose his own soul? And I say this often, but I would rather, you know, if you could give him the opportunity to go back, to take his life back, if he didn't get it right with God and make Jesus the Lord of his life, there's no second chance. There's no, oh, he was a good person. He was nice to people. He gave a lot to charity. The Lord will let him in. No, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father but through me. And so we look and see if he had to do it over and be a homeless person and, and, and be in a wheelchair his whole life, but to know the Lord Jesus Christ, 
you have to look and say, what is success? For me, success, number one, is making heaven. And number two, it's fulfilling God's plan on my life. My number one goal in this life is to go to heaven, is, is, is to make it in myself. And then after that, it's to, to bring other people with me. And so you have to define success. But a precept of man is that I'll be happy when I have more things. I'll be happy when I'm increased. Oh, I'll be happy when I have, when I make a hundred thousand in a year. Oh, I'll be happy when I, when I've got a hundred thousand in the bank. Or I'll be happy when whatever. I'll be happy when I have this pair of sneakers. Some people, you know, looking at this parable, the man was rich. But you don't have to be rich. It's it's an idea. Covetousness. Here, if you want a summary of covetousness, covetousness puts your heart and your affections on temporary things and not on the kingdom of God. What is he saying here? He's saying, keep a jealous eye upon your own hearts. You know, Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. Covetousness is where things have your heart more than the kingdom of God does. You know, your money is a temperature check. And so it doesn't have to be, because people would say, oh, you know, when I'm rich, uh, you know, if I was really rich, I'd be able to give and I would, you know, be able to like give to the poor, but I just can't afford it now. But you, you start where you're at. Where is your money now? You know, there are many very poor people that are covetous. There are also rich people that are covetous, but there are many poor people. You don't have to be at a certain wealth level to be covetous. So this is, what is this parable? This is a warning, number one, to keep God first, that our happiness doesn't depend on our having a great deal of wealth in this world. Many come to life's lessons through great error. You know, we have to look at a few things here. Number one is there are many happy people who have very little. Jesus is saying that our life doesn't consist in the things that we possess. Our life, he says, for the man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. There are many people in third world countries. You go, you know, if you go on a missions trip, what is always the first thing? Man, they're so happy over there with so little. There are many people who've come and gone in this life and have had very little, and have been happy, that have been joyful, that have been, that have been in poverty, but able to find joy. Why? Because they're grateful for what they have. Number two is there's many people that have come into this life and have been very wealthy, but have been miserable. And so the lesson here is that our life doesn't consist. Our happiness is not dependent on us having something or not having something. If you couldn't get a new outfit for the next year, if you couldn't eat, eat, a milkshake and a steak for the next year, and it was rice and beans for the next year. Our happiness doesn't, doesn't depend on these outward things. As a Christian, we, we do things differently. For many people out there, they say, you know, it's like you look at the temptation of Jesus, and he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He said, look, take this, these stones. The devil said, take these stones and turn them into bread. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. You know, the devil wants to keep you in a place of, oh, you can't live without this. You can't live without that girlfriend. You can't live without that boyfriend. You can't live without that husband. You can't live without that house. You can't live without that new car. And keep your mind on earthly things and keep your affections on earthly things. And it also, you see, you see an attitude of ungratefulness. So I want you to look at this, this rich this rich uh, man whose ground brought forth plentifully. The first thing that happened, it says, and he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. It says his ground brought forth plentifully. Man, as Christians, if our ground is bringing forth plentifully, what's the first thing we do? It's not to say, oh no, what am I going to do with it? He treats it like a calamity. Oh no, what am I going to do? He finds that he's in more of a predicament. You know, the first thing we do is we give God thanks. Father, thank you. 
Thank you that you've provided so wonderfully for me. Thank you, Lord. I give you glory that my ground is producing because I serve you. Be careful that even in it, even if you're getting a paycheck that you're not happy with, that you're giving God praise. Lord, I thank you that I live in this country where I can actually go to work. Lord, I thank you that there's simple pleasures in life. Like you give us these things. The Bible says that you give us fr- freely all things to enjoy. Father, thank you that I was able to work this week and make a paycheck. Thank you, Lord, that there's been increase in my life. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. The first thing that you see missing when you look at this parable is you see, you almost have to look at what's not here. When when the the ground is bringing forth fruit, he's, he's treating it like a calamity. What am I going to do? The next thing is he'll only be satisfied when he has bigger and better. And so the, the, this calamity turns into, okay, this is what I'll do. I'm going to pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and all my goods. I'm only going to be happy. He says, I'm only going to be happy when, when the barns are bigger. I'm only going to be happy when I've stored up more. I'll only be happy when I have these, you know, the whole set of these sneakers. I'll only be happy when I'm, when I'm driving this new car. And, and, you know, there's this thing of faith where we're going after things and I'm all about it. You believe the Lord. You don't stay where you're at. But the Bible says that godliness, 1 Timothy 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, we're, we're, we're looking forward. Yes, Lord, I'm believing you to increase me. But at the same time, Father, thank you so much for what you've done. I believe gratefulness opens you up to the next blessing. If you can't give God praise for the $20 that he brought in, how are you going to give God, how are you going to see 20,000 come in? You start where you're at. Father, I thank you for what you've done in my life. I remember when we went to this uh, taco place and they upgraded us from a small to a large queso. And I don't know if it was by accident or what, but I opened the bag and we ordered a small queso and there was a large queso. And I was like, Lord, thank you so much. You upgraded our queso. That's awesome. Thank you so much. You get grateful where you're at. The next thing is it was all for self. He says here, I would build greater and there while I bestow all my fruits and my goods. As a Christian, it works differently for us. As an unbeliever, your money's your own. You do whatever you want. As a Christian, it isn't our money. We're stewards of everything. And that's where the tithe comes in. Understand the tithe does not belong to you. It's not yours to do with as you please. If you've stopped tithing, you, this is the law that says, I, nothing that I have is mine. Everything I have it belongs to God. I'm a steward of all of it. And this 10% is to show God that it's all his. I, he asked me for 10%, but if he asked me for 80%, I'd give it. This this is here. The man is putting, saying everything that I'm going to harvest is going to go into my barn. So we see this is a man who's not rich towards God. Everything is for him. So I want to ask you in, in your earnings, is everything for you? Have you believed a lie? I mean, look at this. This is the mouth of Jesus here. You can't act like this, but he says at the end here, so is he in verse 21 that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Money is an opportunity to be promoted or to keep you going around in the same, the same mountain. There's people who God wants to promote you. He's got a call on your life, but you haven't been faithful in money. You haven't been faithful to give. And I'm not doing this to take up an offering. You, you haven't heard us take up a single offering in 280 something episodes. I'm, I've, I've asked no one on here to give to our ministry, you know, ca- yo, cash at me. No, it's not like that. You give to the kingdom of God. You give to your local church, or if you don't know, have a place to give to, give to the river at Tampa Bay, Revival Ministries International, a great place where many souls are one. But it's about being rich towards God. You understand that money is a tool. So here is a man who, who everything is for himself. 
And, and then we look at the next verse. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have much goods laid up for many years. Take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. So it's all, all his hope are in his riches and in his possessions. The greatest motivating factor is to be greater and have more. And this is the wisdom of the world. If you, if you, if you type in motivational video, this is, all, this is what it's about. This is, what, this is how the, worth, the earth circulates for people. They, it runs off of, I've got to be a success. I've got to get more. I've got to have a bigger house. I've got to keep up with these people. This is, this is the mindset of carnal man. Be a success, make as much money as possible so I can be rich and retire and maybe give a little bit of charity if I'm feeling feeling that way. That the greatest motivating factor is to be greater and have more. The purpose of wealth, he says here, he says, I'll say to my soul, soul, uh, eat, drink, take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. The problem here is that the purpose of his wealth is is for his own uh, sensual appetite. Eat, drink, and be merry. His, the purpose of his money is to please his flesh. This is a big one. What is your money going towards? What is your money? Money is a tool. So is your money going to please God or is your money going to please yourself? Look at the money you have in your account. Look at the money that you've earned. That's not your money. None of it. It's all God's money. When you gave your life to God, you gave everything you own as well. As well. You've become a steward. And so it belongs to God. His crops are ready. And then the, the next one is he's unconcerned about his soul. God says to him, you fool, this night shall your soul be required of you. You know, this whole thing is, is temporary versus eternal. This man is so focused on his riches, on his barns, on his plenty, and his soul. He says to his soul, eat, drink, and be merry. He should be saying that to his body. He should be, your soul needs the gospel. Your soul doesn't need to eat, drink, and be merry. Your soul needs the gospel. And here God says, tonight your soul will be required of you. There are many people in this world who are living for this world only, and they're living to eat, drink, and be merry, and they're living for worldly pleasures. And even as Christians, we have to keep an eye on ourselves that our life doesn't become about our daily enjoyment. I mean, I enjoy food. I enjoy coffee. There's things I enjoy. But my goal and my aim, I've de- I have a determined purpose, is to please God. As Jesus at the well said it, I have meat to eat that you know not of. That we aim our lives to be pleasing to God. This is the problem. And what, when the reason Jesus tells this parable is this man was so focused on worldly goods that he had no concern for his soul. So the Bible says that this night is your soul required of you. There's many people who just when they get, to, you know, I, I think of my uncle and I believe, I'm, I hope he made it to heaven. You know, he, he, he prayed the sinner's prayer with my mom um, a couple times, but, you know, he retired and within a year of retiring passed away. He works his whole life at a job that he didn't mind, but he works his whole life looking forward to this retirement and retires and passes away. It was the same thing from my mom's mom who worked her whole life as a teacher, retired, and within a number of months, got at home on the beach, and within a number of months, passed away. And so people work their whole life aiming for this retirement. I'm not working looking at retirement. I'm working looking at eternity. And so this man had no concern for his soul. John 6, 27 says, labor not for the meat which perishes, but meat that endures until everlasting life. Our aim and our goal should not be to have a big bank account on this earth. This isn't to say that you shouldn't have a savings account, because the Bible actually says the man who is a fool who eats and spends all that he has, while in the house of the wise, there is choice, there's choice oil saved up. So there is something about having, but the Bible says, lay not up for yourselves treasure on earth. 
you know, when, when, there's, when there's money in the bank, but you say, God, all of it belongs to you. If you require any of it, I'm willing to give it. And that's why giving is the key to keeping your heart invested in the kingdom of God. This is all about giving. This is all about looking and saying, God, money is a tool. I don't want to get to the end of my life. And, and, and I have money and I have a hundred million dollars sitting in an account and I get raptured and it's just sitting there. I want to have used it. I want to be putting my money into the gospel as a tool because you won't, you don't get it back. You know, I bought, I remember when I first started making money, I was like going to Best Buy all the time and every week just buying stuff, buying stuff. And I don't have anything to show for that money. You know, DVD collection, garbage DVD collection, a bunch of video games. You know, what, what do you spend money on it? 21 and you're making a hundred thousand a year and you're just, <laughs> you're just buying nonsense, right? Going out to eat. And, and, but what I am grateful for as I look back is the money that I've put in the kingdom of God, that there's, I'm stored up for myself's treasure in heaven where moth and rust can't corrupt and where thieves can't break through and seal. So to wrap this up here, we must leave behind our work on the earth, but, but we must have, we have to leave behind our work on this earth. Have we stored up treasure in heaven? So how does this apply to me? I just want to ask you this. Do you have joy in giving? Is there a joy in giving to the Lord or has it become just a necessary evil for you? And so we check our hearts. We guard our hearts with all diligence. Do you get more excited about buying a new pair of sneakers than you do about giving to God and giving to souls? We check ourselves on this. This isn't a thing, oh, you know, I got to go tithe first, so I can't do that this month. No, I'm giving to God. Father, I think I see into eternity and I see the souls that are being reaped. I see what my money is doing for the kingdom. Father, put a love on the inside of me that I love your kingdom so much that I would rather give to you than go on vacation, that I would rather, and Lord, I know as as I give that it's given to me. So Father, as I put your kingdom first, I know that you'll bless me, but I'm not laying up for myself treasure on earth. I'm laying up for myself treasure in heaven, and I'm trusting you. Lord, my life is yours, and that includes my money. When Jesus said, beware of covetousness, he was saying, keep your eyes on heavenly things and not on temporary things like money and treasure. God wants to bless us, but it's all about your heart. Is your heart set on riches? The Bible says, charge the rich in this world not to give away all their money, but they, they be not high-minded and do not trust in uncertain riches, but are ready to distribute, rich in good works. Charge those who are rich. Use it for the kingdom of God and trust in God because their money can take up wings and fly away. I love you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you soon.